You're listening to episode 286 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. I'm Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at the third season of the Netflix science fiction series, Travelers. And yeah, we're getting close to the end and have to start thinking about Hill House here pretty soon. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so funny, like, you know, uh, one of our colleagues who, um, Scott, that uh, I know you talk with a lot because you're both baseball guys. Um, you know, he just rolled by the classroom the other day telling us how much he was enjoying the Hill House discussions. And, you know, we ended up talking for like the next hour about different shows and everything. So it's cool. It was almost like you being back in school. Oh, nice. Well, <laughs> although his words to me were, were something to the effect, uh, hurry the hell up with travelers and get back to Hill House yeah. so I can <laughs> pick up with you guys. And, and he also asked where we were headed after hill house i'm like hell i don't know i, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll have to start thinking about that <laughs> like we, we've been planned in advance for long enough like you know, you know like give us a break but but yeah well, we, do need to, we need to think of uh yeah what we're gonna do next because we only have like what like three episodes of hill house right three episodes of hill house three more of travelers after tonight so we got a month and a half or so yeah. but yeah we better get our yeah. thinking caps on time tons of time yeah so all right well as always we'd like to remind you we'd love to hear from you episode feedback questions comments whatever emails can go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com you can go to the website leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab record your own audio clip the way fred always does and send it to us as an attachment tweet us at sci-fi tv rewatch or consider joining the facebook group and get into the discussions there all right, uh, news tonight. I'm going to return to the Facebook group because David and I, I don't know whether he pronounces his last name Howarth or Hayworth, but David has been updating an episode rankings list on the Facebook group, and that's something that that he had mentioned he got from a Buffy podcast that that I happened to also listen to, and that basically they re-rank each week, so go to the website sometimes it gets buried in the episode discussion but so far his rankings fall like this number one is episode four perot so so in in his rankings he thinks that's the best episode of the season so far right his number two is ilsa which was the the first first episode number three is yates which was the second four is the fifth episode, Naomi. Five is Philip, oh, which we dear. talked about last week. And in last place at number six is the third episode, Protocol Three. Oh, okay. And I know his early comments about episode seven, Trevor, were less than glowing. <laughs> I mean, you know, we all have high expectations mm-hmm. for travelers, but. Um, so, you know, it, it's really a cool concept and, you know, I'm glad he's doing it because I think anytime you and I have talked about anything like this, we're, we're, you know, right on the ball for a week or two and then we forget about it. Yeah. We've got really short attention spans. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you want to go first with a uh, tip of the week this time? Oh yeah. I forgot about tip of the week, but I got a good one. Um, so I have, I'm not done. I've got two more episodes that I'll probably watch tonight as soon as we're done this of the punisher season two okay uh, i haven't seen it yet i mean i've seen it on netflix right. but just haven't yeah. watched it. you, you watch season one there right i didn't dude i know <laughs> Dave. so um 
Yeah, you know, it kind of picks up uh not like not right where season one left off. Uh, but uh who's our the our girl from uh, Man in the High Castle, but the girl who plays Ju- Julia, right, is the character's name. But anyway, she's in like the first one or maybe two episodes. Definitely the first one. I think maybe it's just the first one. Um so good cameo there. It's uh yeah I don't I don't think it's as good as season one was and that's a pretty high bar because I think season one of the Punisher is like really really up there like it was amazing, um, but uh, still I, I love the Castle Frank Castle character um, and it brings back some other characters from season one and of course the obligatory uh, Karen Page showing as she i think pops up in pretty much every uh season of the mcu on on netflix which you know apparently is not gonna really be any longer so uh which is a bummer you know that's a like think about this because i mean i assume has punisher been axed yet you know i'm not sure it it sounds just about like everything has been axed Uh, maybe not jessica jones yet right jessica jones i think was the only one i don't know if they have cut the punisher yet either i I only assume that that it's gone as well so um so it's with a little bit of of sadness i'll watch these last two episodes because it could be the last last two or you know hope springs eternal that someone else might you know pick it up or something so all right. Now I'm going to go with one that uh, Michael turned me on to, and it's called A Discovery of Witches. It originally aired in the UK beginning September 14th, 2018, but it premiered on January 17th, 2019 in Canada and the US. Now, the downside is it's on Sundance Now and Shudder, which are both pay streaming services i hear you and and now maybe it'll end up on sundance the regular channel which a lot of cable and satellite systems have but for now you got to pay i think it's 4.99 a month they've got a seven day free trial so you could you could binge it because it's only an eight episode series based on the All Souls trilogy by Deborah Harkness. And the story looks at a world in which the creatures who've been living among humans for thousands of years are dying out. And it centers around college professor Diana Bishop, who is the last in a long line of powerful witches and seems to be the only individual able to access Ashmole 782, which is this mysterious volume that purportedly contains the answers to life, the universe, and everything. 42. Yeah. And now she comes into contact with Matthew Claremont, who's a vampire, who's not only searching for the volume, but studying through DNA the reasons that witches, vampires, and demons have been losing their powers over the last few hundred years. Now, Matthew Good, who you may have seen in Downton Abbey, Match Point with Scarlett Johansson, which is a much overlooked film. It's really great. Uh, the Crown, and he was also in Watchmen. He plays Claremont. Teresa Palmer, Hacksaw Ridge, and Berlin Syndrome. She's one of those actresses like, yeah, I've seen her in something. Mm-hmm. But uh, she plays Diana, and uh, dude, they are smoking when they're on the screen together and and i'm two episodes in and it is the two of them are just on fire i i i 
I love Matthew Good in, in so many other things I've seen, and this is the first thing I've seen her in. Alex Kingston, hello, sweetie. Yeah, hey, Alex I Kingston. To, and I, right, and if we have to tell you who Alex Kingston is, shame on you. Be gone. But she, yeah, she plays Diana's mother. So it's uh, Discovery of Witches. And, you know, if you are so inclined, I'm sure you can find it out there somewhere if you don't want to subscribe to Sundance Now or Shudder. So, all right. Well, let's get to Travelers, Episode 7 of Season 3, entitled Trevor. This one was written by Ashley Park, who wrote the Season 1 finale, Grace. Episode 208, Traveler 0027, wrote 305, Naomi, and then has also written five episodes with Pat Smith. Directed by Will Waring, who in Season 1 directed Donner and Bishop, Season 2, 21C and Simon, and in season three, he directed last week's episode, Philip. You know, I, I really don't know exactly how I feel about this episode, and I'm going to take your approach, which is to kind of wait and see how the discussion goes. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it, and I'm not sure I'm influenced by the early discussion in the Facebook group, but I guess the thing that I did like about this episode is that it really subtly explores, and maybe not so subtly, the discovery of love in the 21st century. And that line that David uses at the funeral, everybody belongs with people who care. Okay. Yeah, that's a good line. Yeah, it was a, yeah, I really thought it was. And that was a really powerful scene when he was giving the eulogy for his friend Jim. And then I loved the way the two dinners were set against each other. Mac and Catherine with that romantic dinner that almost gets to the bedroom, yeah. but he, he screws up again. He does. And then, of course, the one with Trevor and Grace, where she wants it to end up, maybe, I don't know if there is a bedroom there, but at least yeah. on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really like the way they juxtaposed the two of those because certainly – Catherine, well, of course, she's got a lot of questions, and we'll talk about those now. But but, what I think, as we've said over the past few weeks, Grant is in love with Catherine. And Trevor and Grace, it's a different kind of love. And, And I think it's easy to forget that they've known each other, we assume, for a very long time. Yeah, very long time. Absolutely. The... The other thing I like about this episode is that it does kind of focus on the harsh realities of the personal side of the mission. And we've talked about that before, whether it's Carly with baby Jeff. But here it's the idea of having to say goodbye Mm -hmm. to somebody that we've never really addressed before. I mean, saying goodbye to Hall while, you know, you hate losing anybody. And certainly he was a loyal uh, you know, member of the director's traveler system, but it, it wasn't like somebody that was in the inner circle. And then that whole idea that we haven't really had to face with anybody except Jeff, but a new consciousness in a body that we already know. And right. and the way they're all kind of freaked out at the prospect of a new engineer in Trevor's body. Yeah. So there's a lot in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, we we actually kind of got a little bit because of when Marcy was kind of you know like they like scrubbed her right, kind of like copied her consciousness and then 
redownloaded version 2.0 uh, into our host. And, you know, that was like a thing that they were talking about how the new Marcy was not quite like the old Marcy, right? And there, there are certain things that she hadn't experienced. So in, in a way we, we have gone through this before, but of course now, you know, we are facing the prospect of someone entirely new uh, replacing Trevor. Right. So it was Marcy, but not Marcy, as you said. So yeah, th- this is really new. And, and Fred brings up some great points in his feedback and, and a couple of them, I think we'll, we'll just naturally have to address during the course of the discussion. But, uh, you know, I think we generally do that, but that opening scene where David's walking on the street with one of his older clients who suddenly has chest pains and, you know, before the ambulance arrives, they talk of love, David for Marcy, Jim for, at the time, my first assumption was that he's talking about a dead wife, but of course it's an ex-wife as it turns out. And he asks David if he and Marcy plan to get married and we could have predicted his response a mile away. It's complicated. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, and you know, I, what I, I, I guess I kind of liked about this. It was kind of in your face a little bit, but you know, the idea of the, you know, just the brevity of life. Right. And Jim is telling David, go for it. What are you waiting for? You know, and then he dies. So just as, as a final demonstration of his point, you know, quad ergo demonstrandum. Yeah. Right. And, you know, as one of the four stories in this episode, Davy's in love, but so is Marcy. And, you know, when she arrives home to find David upset over the death of his friend, did and I didn't notice this until the third time I watched the episode, he's got a joint oh, burning yeah. in the ashtray. Yeah, they, they show you that right away. Well, my first, I guess I just thought, Oh, it's just a cigarette. And then I'm like, wait a minute, he doesn't smoke. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he's upset about the fact that no one, family or otherwise, has even called. And, and that line, it's like they don't care. But what really strikes me in this episode is how far she's come in this relationship and her compassion and understanding. It's, 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 it's real, it's genuine. And, and you can tell she really feels what David's feeling at this point. And, and like you had already said that that kind of, it's, you know, it's a big theme like throughout uh, the episode, but it really hits home at the end, you know, when David's delivering that, uh, that eulogy. Yeah. And, and then when he calls Jim's family about the planned service and, and we get the impression right away, the person on the other end of the phone couldn't care less. And the new David that we've seen over the past few weeks fires right back and yeah way to go david because that's not something he would have done and the other thing and this has been brought up you know i think in discussions and reddit sites but the whole thing with david and his leaving messages on the phone (laughs) it's just i mean what a wonderful thing that they've done and you wonder did they decide back in the writer's room before season one that that's something they were going to do with david or did it just kind of happen yeah, well, at, at that point, I don't think he's leaving a message. I think he's actually talking to someone. But, yeah, but yeah, it's either way. I felt you know he was being like, like I get, I get it. Like he, he kind of has a point here. You know, you gotta let go. Like, why are you holding on to decades old grudges? Let it go, 
and come and, and pay some respects. But on the other hand, he's being awfully judgmental. And, you know, clearly while Jim seems like a great guy to us in the brief moment that we, we saw him, um, there's obviously a lot of people who uh, would say not so much. And so David can't speak to what the, the other people have experienced and what Jim potentially put those people through to be so judgmental and critical, I think. And that's why I like the end when when the two of them cross paths at the funeral service that he says, I didn't expect to see you here. And she says, neither did I. And then she just walks just away. Peace out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But what did you think about the scene where David's practicing the eulogy and he's clearly nervous about speaking in front of a group when he finds out that Marcy is not going to attend the service, he's ready to bail. Right. What would you think about that? Uh, I found it kind of weak, you know, like, but you know, again, I'm, I'm not necessarily an outgoing person, but I totally love speaking in public though. Like I, I really like, I'm not afraid of it at all. I, 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 I actually enjoy it. Um, so for me, I guess I'm like not the person to ask about, you know, about judging David. Cause I'd be like, what's, what's the big deal? Um, you're just delivering eulogy, deliver the eulogy, man up. Don't be such a baby just because your girlfriend's not there. Right. And I guess on the one hand, it's kind of what we do for a living because I remember I was in a graduate school class and the teacher said, all right, your option is a 30 page paper or you can teach one of the classes, which was a, a two hour class. And I remember a, another guy that was a teacher that I knew sitting on the other side of the room and we look at each other and it's like, yeah, yeah. we were the, we were the only two that chose really? to teach the class. Wow. Yeah. Everybody else wrote the paper. That, that, that because, feels like such a setup, like just as a teacher to kind of dodge out of having to teach. Like, well, there is that for sure. <laughs> you know? But, but I just think it reinforced for, for me, especially that I think I take that for granted, you know, and just like you said, you, you kind of enjoy it. Whereas I think most people probably fear it, you know, maybe one of their great fears, but I like her response that, and, and maybe you say, well, of course, what, what did you expect her to say when she agrees to go there? But again, I mean, she has so many outs. No, I'm on a, a case with McLaren. I'm sorry, I can't. I mean, there were so many ways she could come up with a reasonable excuse that he would have to accept. And, and you get the idea that David, in the end, would have manned up and given the eulogy, even if she didn't yeah, attend. Yeah, I, I believe he would have. Too. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it definitely speaks to the relationship that she just kind of like, you know, all right, I'll be there. You know, but, but yeah, but of course... It's just like when, um, you know, Kat said to Grant, you know, make sure you're here for dinner. Call me if you can't be. Like, we almost expect that it's not going to happen, you know, that something's going to come up. So Marcy, while that's great uh, with of her support, it's also she has to know it's very conditional whether she'll be there or not. She can't promise she'll be there. That's ridiculous. She could get a mission in the next five minutes and be gone for days, right? Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. We we get that backstory about David having lost his father at 16 and what an impact it had on him and how Jim was the man that really set him 
back on a better path. And and I love that line that Jim was my first client, but in a way I was his. And, you know, as he's delivering this eulogy, which is obviously at the end of the episode, the camera's giving us shots of the different members of the team. And we see that one uh, shot of Philip with his turtle. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, he sees the same vision, but the turtle's gone. Most of the stones in the aquarium are gone. Um, You know, so I, I really like that. But it also, of course, includes mac and Catherine at the edge of the water but uh you know the whole david marcy thing has i think really been handled well and the the development of their relationship uh, i i really like yeah now, I, I mean i i you know i can't agree with that 100 percent, and i i'm still harboring you know uh age-old resentments just like jim's ex-wife but i'm not gonna get into it now i just i i like uh mavid here you see what i did there i do <laughs> um i did I, I like them now but i have issues with how this relationship came about i don't think they need to go that way i think you know, i spent at least one season seeing david as a uh, creepy uh predator um, and it was just wasted emotional time for me so i, I refuse to to waste any more time on it. If for, for, for Wayne's comments, go back and listen to uh, pretty much every episode of season one, and you'll, you'll get a gist of, of how I feel about it. So, All right. Well, let's take on a couple, one of whom has a little Battlestar Galactica in her background, and that's, of course, Catherine and Grant. And clearly her doubts are verified several instances and and, you know we get to the end of the episode and there's no outcome that seems reasonable where she's going to allow him back into her life hell her apartment but uh, when it starts she seems to be in a really good headspace she's off on a decorating job uh, you know and of course grant gets the call for a mission but she's enthused, as is he, about the two of them meeting for dinner, as you you know, you just mentioned. And again, I love her line that, you know, if you're going to bail, call me because I don't want to eat vegan if I don't have right. to. Here, here. <laughs> yes. Now, now he, he does make it home in time for the romantic dinner, uh, talks to her, you know, in, in vague terms about Trevor and his death sentence. Yeah. But she starts talking about her design jobs and thinks he doesn't care. And, and I love his line. Again, it goes back to, I think, some of the things David was saying that, Kat, this is life. Everything I do is to preserve this. And, it, I mean, he certainly has told her he loves her, but I felt that was such a great way to articulate it without actually saying the words, I love you. Yeah, and I think he's, like, actually listening to her, which – you know, I, I will admit I'm not always the greatest at that when uh, my wife talks about her day and everything. So to see him uh, genuinely interested in the minutiae of her days, you know, again, shows you how how much he, he loves her and everything. Right. But, dude, I don't know about you, but uh, I was just so disappointed. She brings up the Patterson's boat. Dude. All you have to say is, hey, that sounds great. Yeah. Why on earth? He's been doing this long enough. You don't say something that leaves you open 
to an interpretation that is not going to end well. And of course it doesn't. Right. So yeah, a couple things on that one. I a hundred percent agree with you. Like, and I was actually thinking that like, aren't they trained? Like, wouldn't that be like in training one Oh one for travelers? Never say anything like I look forward to meeting them because you might've already met them. So just say, sounds good. Cool. Sweet. I'm looking forward to it. You know, but instead, like you said, he totally opens himself. It just seems like such a rookie move for someone who is a trained soldier and obviously received a lot of training in how to protocol five, right? Yeah, now, sure. That being said, all right, so Dave, if tomorrow your wife forgot where you first met, would you A, say, who are you? Where is my wife? Who is inhabiting my wife's body? Or would you be become concerned and call a neurologist? Yeah, the latter, of yeah. course. So like her reaction is mental. It makes no sense whatsoever for her to get mad at Grant and claim that he's someone else. When like, lady, my first thought would be, you know, my my partner is my husband, my wife is is there's something wrong. Like, how can they, you know, okay, the Patterson's, that's one thing. Not remember where we met? Okay, there's probably something wrong. Let's go see a doctor. Not like, I don't know who you are, leave my house. Well, that's true, but you wonder how much residual, you know, impact, you know, I mean, of course, they, they wiped her memory after the airplane crash. They wiped her memory after the kidnapping at the hands of, uh, I was going to say uh, Lucas Ingram, but that's the uh, the wrong Ingram, uh, Vincent Ingram. But with Jeff purporting the things that, you know, I remember, I, I guess I just wonder what kinds of things she has going on in her head. But that said, yeah, I mean, I think the reasonable explanation would be something's wrong let's get you looked at but she takes him to that place as you as you alluded where they first met and of course he's trying to talk his way out of it talk around it it's all clearly a test and there's no way she's letting him out of it this time and then when she recounts the story pretty cool story i i must say but then her response, finally, you're not that man. And she just walks away. And yeah, I, I don't know what she can possibly be thinking at this point. Well, but. Yeah, I mean, just you're not that man. I mean, okay. I get like, okay. If she means like you've changed a lot. Okay. That's one thing. But it, it's like I, she actually believes that he's someone else, which makes no sense. Now, in addition to this, I would like to add part of traveler training 101 should be you meet someone and you come up with some way to get them to recall the story of how you first met right like hey oh you know this is so special just tell me how we i want to hear one i want to hear you tell because i love the story how we first met oh okay boom you know boom now you got it right like he's he's found out nothing about and he he actually got to inhabit this guy's memories for a bit so he got a couple of memories that he wouldn't normally have had, but like he, it doesn't seem like he's put in really any effort 
into trying to figure out what life was like for Cat and Grant before he took over. Yeah, uh, you're right about that. And I, I guess in his defense, he's been so busy with his FBI slash traveler jobs that, you know, even as both of them acknowledge, it's been quite a while since they spent time together, let alone had a meal together. So, yeah, I know what you're saying. And just this is really one that's going to be fun to watch how he tries to squirm out of this one. Now, uh, the other smaller story involves Carly's new place and her new neighbor. And, you know, she goes to look at the apartment. and, And as she says to Grant, when he comes in and looks at it that she's really taken a step up and it really is a nice place that's that's for sure but he offers to help her move in and it just kind of leads to this really strained uh confrontation that i'm thinking like how did we get to here all of a sudden yeah carly i think she's like her her emotions it seemed like they've always been like right at the surface. And, you know, it really, we really haven't thought or spoken of the relationship between Mac and Carly for a while now. Right. It's been kind of shoved underneath. They, they, I think they alluded to it either last episode or previously, or I don't know if they even alluded to it, but just, you know, they're together and talking and you think about, Oh, Oh yeah, that's right. They were, they were like a couple when they first, came to the 21st century. Um, and then now, he, you know, he just says, like, uh, he, he says, oh, I'm trying to find, oh, he's, he's, he's like, if that's all you need from me, and she's just like, what you, you know, she really jumps on him. He's like, wait, what? Like, I mean, do you need me to help you unpack? You know, and she's just, so she completely, like, she's just like her, that, that anger is, like, just below the surface, like, always. Yeah, yeah I mean, it escalates so quickly, and I understand that, She's making a clean break from baby Jeff, and and that has to still have an impact on her. She uses Trevor and his problems as an excuse for this behavior. But yeah, even in addition to to the line you just said, when he mentioned something about that's what team leaders do. Don't pull that team leader shit with me. You're way past yeah. that. I'm like, what? Yeah, okay. like, hey, wait, wait, what? What did I do? Right. But he hears a couple in another apartment arguing and her reaction, not my problem. Mm-hmm. And of, of course she does make it her problem, you know, in this episode where she at least goes and lets the woman know, Hey, you're not alone. If you need help, I'm yeah. here. Well, I mean, we can, whether you, you know, jumped ahead or not. I mean, you know where this, you know, she's not good. The, the, spoiler well, zone. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of spoiler zone, but if you are any kind of a, you know, if you watch this, if you, or you watch with any kind of, of, you know, critical thought, then you know that, you know, there's Carly's not going to let it go. Like she's not, she's not going to stand there and let a woman be abused right across the hall from her. She's not going to stand for that. Despite what she says. Well, I love when she asks Philip if he knows anything about her neighbor's future, and he claims he doesn't know anything, but then he sees a vision of angry Carly being taken out of ops by two police officers. So we wonder, you know, is this what she's done in an alternate timeline? I, I yeah. guess. but What she yeah. has, hasn't done yet is will will do. 
Right. Right. But obviously the main story deals with Trevor's aphasia and, and kind of the end of an era, which is why everybody has such a difficult time dealing with this. And and I like how they, they handled his bicycle crash at the beginning because we just kind of see the bike wobble and then we just see him. He's already on the ground. We don't see him fall and... Uh, you know, you can see the blood and lets us know that these pauses are becoming more frequent and, and clearly are going to be more dangerous. And then when we, we're on that mission where they're going to shoot down a plane that's apparently, you know, carrying anthrax. And I don't know about you, but I would, wouldn't the anthrax dissipate or maybe the surface to air missile or whatever that weapon is, that handheld missile launcher. It's like burned I it guess up. it would obliterate. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't know. But, I don't know. But uh, apparently the director double booked this mission. So fortunately, the other team's uh, person with the rocket launcher was able to take the shot. But but clearly, this is going to be an issue. And he has known about it. He, he talks about the fact that it degrades the ability to perceive the passage of time. And it only happens to people who've had multiple mm-hmm. hosts. So we really haven't seen anybody like that right um no no uh, uh well except for 001 right uh, exactly well and that's a good question because uh, you know what he's we'll on see, host three now right wherever he is yeah yeah so that'll be interesting if we see zero zero one if there is a season four hopefully there will be no word yet but uh, Teslia calls McLaren that the director wants to see 0115, who's, of course, Trevor. And I love that the rest of the team is sitting there waiting, wondering, what the mm-hmm. hell are they talking about all this time? Yeah, like Grant's and, just like, it's the fact that he's talking to the director at all is just mm-hmm. unbelievable, you know? He tells them that a new traveler is going to be sent into his body. And we've talked over the past couple of weeks about the the relationship between Trevor and Philip, they're just best friends. They are bros. And I, I just really love the scenes with them together, whether it's a pizza or, you know, burgers and fries or whatever, just the two of them hanging out. We don't see it a lot, but there's just something about those two that, that I really like. And then we find out he's got 36 hours to get his affairs in order and everybody's just freaked out. And, of course, it's not a surprise that Trevor tries to make the stunned teammates feel better. It's, it's, it really is kind of, I don't want to say at this point, it's not necessarily a heart-wrenching scene. It's just kind of a shocking scene. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely... <clears throat> Um, I think, you know, shocking kind kind of for us, but, you know, I guess when I, I I first saw this, I I guess the first time I watched this episode, I I was kind of torn two ways. Like either, oh, okay. So we'll get, obviously Jared Abramson will still play Trevor, but it'll be just a different guy. So that'll be kind of unique to see, uh, you know, kind of like we saw with Jeff, like a, a different person, but in the same host. Um, but on the other hand, like, you know, I also feel like this could totally pull out some kind of deus ex machina where by the end of this episode, they, you know, find some way to make them better so that, 
we'll still have the same Trevor we had before. Right. So. Now, what'd you think about the dinner with Grace? I, I love the tie. Yeah. I don't know if I really remember the tie. I just remember that it was the, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, French fries. This isn't a prelude to anything. I mean, I mean, we can eat later. but and it goes back to they've known each other for a long time and they're in different bodies which obviously has to be weird but but she's just so upset about the director's deal with trevor and, and he then tells a story about his wife together with him they were the first two successful consciousness transfers and and he talks of love for his soulmate which is you know, clearly never anything we've heard out of Trevor before. I mean, you know, we, we know that Trevor had a crush on Grace when she was still his high school counselor. And, and we know he had uh, Renee, the hot girlfriend, but he never really, I guess, connected with her. I don't know how that right. happened, but dude, really. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, the whole idea that he raised children in three different timelines but, you know, there was a price that, that she was the first and only case of the disease. And somebody asked, I think in the Facebook group, have we seen the future before? And, so and, I actually have that answer. And, and Well, what is it? Uh, kind of. Okay. Well, I mean, we've seen flashes before. I think it was Carly. Uh, I don't remember if it was season one or season two where we saw a flash just for a couple seconds and her in the future. But I mean, uh, well, so what we saw was like you said, exactly. Just for a few seconds was, uh, Mac and Carly, uh, basically having sex in the future. Right. And it wasn't, obviously it wasn't, it was two other people. Who, yes. Whoever they were in the future. So that's really the only glimpse I've been, cause this has been a big thing for me. I'm always like, when are we going to see the future? When are we going to see the future? And so finally they've given us like a legit uh, picture of what the future looks like. Like they've talked about it, but this is the first time we've actually gotten to, to see it. Right. I mean, we, so that was kind of a big deal, but it doesn't seem like a big deal in the show, but like upon reflecting, I'm like, Oh my God, they showed the future. That's like really the first time they have that they've done that. Right. I mean, we, got that glimpse as you said of carly and and mac and and you know we got the whole idea of the clothing which was you know very sparse very plain you know kind of a burlappy kind of feel to it and we see the same thing here but we see the dome from the inside Mm -hmm. which is pretty darn cool because the ice has not completely covered their the dome at at this point so back to grace i mean she's so upset that he's agreed to leave them and and of course he's at peace and says i hope you respect my decision and she says yeah i can't compete with three lifetimes and that's true uh, there is truth to that yeah it's you know and it, i guess it lends also i mean he's been a pretty deep character already but certainly adds even more gravitas to trevor's character here because you know I mean, that's, that's like a very emotional thing. Like, oh no, emotional is not necessarily the word, but you know, to, for him to have been with one woman for in three different lifetimes, and like you said, to have raised kids in three different lifetimes, like 
what was that even like? You know, like, oh my God. And I guess it kind of does spice up the marriage where, you know, once you get old, you can just, you know, zip yourselves in the brand new bodies and, you know, that, that would be fun, you know, and everything. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, just to, to think about that, to, and we've always known about Trevor being very, very old, but for him to put it that way, it just kind of brings it home a little bit, you know. We use wigs and costumes, but I don't know about All right, you, well, that's that's fine. Yeah. That's good. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, you mentioned the idea of a Dusex Machina ending or, or resolution earlier. I, I kind of feel that's what happens here in that Trevor tells Grace that, yeah, we were close to a cure with an implant. Well, right. well, that's all Grace needs to hear. And, oh, yeah, but we need software. And she's like, well, duh, what do you think it is that I do? And, of course, they only have 24 hours to get it done. But, you know, it's essentially brain surgery. And I guess at the end, it, it looks like a hearing aid that must, you know, have a connection into his brain somehow. And, and uh, it's, you know, relatively uh, unobtrusive. But um, they take data to Ilsa and of course while they're there uh, the director chimes in before we get to that point you remember when Grace is getting her data and she's writing it on the window yes all right I, I guess that's just strictly a narrative device because I'm thinking like all right why are you writing it on the window <laughs> when you have to take the data to Ilsa Okay. No, I think you just take a picture of it. Now. Well, right, and that's what I thought. Okay, but but still, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, a, a narrative device and and everything like that. But what I what I liked about that is these are basically the same type of uh, data that you collect when uh, when your wife is in labor. Okay, <laughs> it's like exactly the same thing. It's like when did it happen? How long did it happen? How long has it been since the the last one? Right. Uh, it's the it's the it's hilarious. Well, well, I love you. Speak of hilarious, the team is eating Chinese food when they notice that Trevor has snapped out of it. Yeah. Philip Philip walks over and hands him an egg roll. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that was great. But you know, Fred brings up in his feedback something that I really didn't think about. I mean, I have it in my notes, but the whole idea that they essentially violate trevor's wishes and and that you know he confides in philip you know he's not sure he wants to go through with this surgery you know he's got the deal the agreement with the director and and of course he tells uh philip tells him that he stopped taking the pills because he doesn't want to know and and of course we know that but Philip sees that alternate timeline where the team is consoling him over, we assume, Trevor's death. And then, of course, everything disappears. So, uh, you know, that that is something, I guess, that happens in an alternate uh, timeline. But, you know, the whole idea that they they go beyond what it is he wants. And, and when he wakes up from the surgery he's really not happy that they went against his decision without asking you erased what would have been my final contribution. And he's understandably really angry restores the power, giving the director access once again to, to ops. And I forget who says, 
uh, it might have been Grace. Well, you were unconscious. So I was unconscious and you take advantage of me? Yeah, but did he like at least tacitly kind of green light this whole project in the first place? Yeah, you know, I, I think it was very, you know, it was almost like he was bullied into it. And I, I guess you could say because he provided them the drawings yeah. of the device that we could interpret that as tacit approval. That, that to me, it seems like, I mean, I get, I mean, that's actually a really good point that Fred brought up because I had, I, I mean, obviously you can't not think that when, because Trevor makes such a big deal out of it, but you know, it really seems to me like he was kind of on board with this plan. Um, and then what I, I think the, the um, director says he's expressing reservations about it or something, but it, it really seems like he, at least, you know, I mean, like really believe what he said there, then he wouldn't have given them, he would have never mentioned it to grace. He would certainly would have never given them the blueprints for the device he was working on before. So all of these things to me, you know, seem to indicate that, that he definitely wants them to, to make the device. Now, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Now, the other thing that really surprises me here is that the Boy Scout is all in, and Hall would be proud of McLaren, for defying the director. Yeah. And, I, I, again, I forget who it is that, that brings up the fact that uh, they've been – so successful it almost sounds as if mclaren's team is the most successful of any travelers team why do you think you've been allowed to break so many protocols right okay and you know i guess not unlike like the star athlete that's late to meetings or <laughs> you know whatever yeah but uh they get cut some slack at the end, when he flips all the lights on and nothing happens, again, I'm not sure what McLaren expected to happen. He says, maybe we changed its mind after all. Well, I, 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 did you think a lightning bolt was going to come down yeah. and <laughs> strike ops? I, I don't know what he expected. but Well, no, the, the director could have overwritten um, Trevor then and there. Right. I think it's what, but which is basically like a lightning bolt coming down. Right. So, um uh, you know, I, I'm feeling pretty good about this episode, but but before we discuss grades, anything else you want to bring up that we haven't talked about? Um, okay. I think we're good, except for just, well, I mean, uh, there's, you know, both Philip and, and Trevor are kind of both ex expressing some level of self-determination here, um, which, you know, I, basically they're a very fatalistic group because the director directs them and tells them what to do. So their lives are not necessarily their own, but Philip and Trevor both are making decisions. Philip to throw away the, the, the pills, which is obviously having issues and Trevor to, you know, willingly be overwritten. Um, so we see in a, you know, society and group that, that by and large relies on, for lack of a better word, fate, uh, we see a significant amount of self-determination going on here. Yeah. Okay, good. I didn't, again, I didn't really think about it in those terms, but, but that is true. So, um, now before we get into the listener feedback, I, I did want to bring up one thing that's happening on the Facebook group and I'm not going to discuss it. So you got to go to the Facebook group and, and check in there. But the question was brought up about the faction and Dawn 
and why, since she already had uh, Kyle, why does she need the other librarians? I mean, doesn't Kyle have the same information that they all have? You did it again. What? You said librarians, not oh, historians. <laughs> and historians. <laughs> and, and Fred brings that up in his feedback as well. And uh, uh, good point. But, you know, so it's an interesting question if you want to jump into the discussion check out the facebook group and i'm sure it won't be hard for you to find that thread so all right well let's go to listener feedback hear what fred has to say this week hello dave and wayne this is fred from the netherlands with some feedback for traveler season three episode seven first off dave you made a very funny little mistake in the last podcast Hall walks into the sunlight and looks at the address plate for the building, and that's the exact answer that Mac needs to find the other librarians. Of course, this should have been historians. I wondered if it was a Freudian slip of the tongue, uh, longing for another season of the librarians. I'm still very sad that they didn't get the next season. I liked that show. Although I'm not finished watching uh, all seasons yet. So I still have some to look forward to. On the other hand, Rebecca Romain is now in Star Trek Discovery. So we can see her there. In the season six podcast, you had a little task for me. We see Hall and McLaren alone in an empty white tiled swimming pool. And if I was Fred, I would have gone back and looked at the episodes of Van Helsing because there's a number of episodes where they're using a pool that pretty sure it's the same pool, except yeah. in Van Helsing, there's blood all over the place. And Well, it but, also kind of looks like they, they use a pool in, in yeah. season one of Legion. That okay. that was what the, that whole building reminded me of. So, you know, Fred, you got some work for it there for you, buddy. Check <laughs> yeah. it out. These are not the series I watch. Sorry, guys. Okay, about this episode. I think they gave us a very nice Herod Herring with Trevor. At least I thought that his moments he had of freezing and being catatonic were caused by perhaps Naomi's nanites because he was bitten by Naomi. And now it proves that just he is just worn out by having too many hosts in a row. And he is just nah, more or less dying of old age. I wonder if this bite of Naomi comes back in some way. Well, Trevor was saved for the day, but he still can be overwritten. I don't know if I like it if Trevor is going to be overwritten by some other traveler. Not because that is much of a problem, but then we have two people within the traveler's team or secondaries that are overwritten by a completely different person so we have the new jeff and if you get a new trevor then as well well that should then really be the limit because otherwise i would feel it's getting a trope and it's getting too much of course for storytelling it's it's probably interesting but on the other hand as a viewer you want to rely on certain table factors within your personalities and within the team and of course, some changes are interesting, but it should not be too much and too quickly in a row. Furthermore, it was, of course, funny that Grace thought that Preble was making her dinner 
and it would be a date, including uh, something after. And he was just making dinner for her. I, I think there is a quite a discrepancy in Grace. So on one hand, she is empathy-less towards others and, and doesn't understand the 21st century uh, to begin with. On the other hand, she is very much looking for recognition, always saying, and you are you going to thank me for everything I did for you, etc. So she's not a loner in the sense of being alone is good enough for her. She herself needs a lot of recognition and empathy from others. So that's a bit of, okay, this combination does exist, but that's a bit of a discrepancy in her personality. But in this episode, we saw another side of Grace. Grace is more touched by Trevor. Of course, there are some selfish motives here, but still, we see a different Grace here. And it, it, I think it's just in time, if that keeps going on, because last podcast I was saying I get a little bit tired of Grace, her antisocial behavior and her not being empathic in the sense of that she is like that is okay, but the jokes they make around it were a bit, yeah, wearing out for me. So if she does change a little bit and we see a little bit more of heart here, I think that would be nice. And for me, it saves Grace. And it was a very nice acting here by Jennifer Spence in the interaction with uh, with Trevor. Very revealing. And also very strange that such a young guy as Trevor, or the actor, kudos to the actor, can play a person that has experiences for three lives. Three lives? How long are these travelers in the 21st or in the 20th century, and why so long? Are they not there just to repair and fix some stuff? Or are they there as constant time guardians or something like that? And I wonder if that just that one little scene with these told two old people watching at the dome, if this is the first flashback we see to the world where they came from. I have the impression that there was more, but on the other hand, I have the idea this was the first time. One other big question is, of course, what will happen to Kate and Grant? Also here, I got a little tired of up, down, up, down, uh, Kate trusting Grant and then being happy again and then don't trust him anymore and doubting again and Grant figuring out nice tricks as, as, as the tablet with the recording of Kate that she was willing taking taking the drug. Everything was happy again. So that, that up-down that should be, well, finished now. And the only thing this relationship could evolve or start actually if in some way the truth is being told and Kate is going to like this new grant. One very little point, did Marcy wear more makeup this episode? Okay, there was a lot of other stuff to discuss, for instance, the medical ethical issue of treating Trevor without his consent and especially if you follow discussions about euthanasia. But as said, time's up. Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right. Well, he mentions the slip of the tongue in there. I did it already. Went went and did it again. Uh, Totally unprompted. Right. And then the, uh, 
I think it might have been Taltos on the Facebook group that did check in with pictures of the pool and, and mentions that it does appear to be the same one in Van Helsing, although they did a little photoshopping or whatever they do with whatever digital program they're they're using. The thing about Trevor saved by the day and you know he can still be overwritten right i mean the fact that he has bought some time doesn't mean that the director won't overwrite him well he he does say that you know the the host they might have damaged the host by doing basically the brain surgery right that the director no longer wants the host right and you know he brings up the fact that we would have two new core people, Jeff and Trevor, and where does it stop? You certainly don't want, as Fred says, you don't want it to become a trope. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. Cause you could really go ridiculous with it and just have a new person getting sent into their brains every week. Right. But I, I think one of the things that really strikes me about all of Fred's feedback is what he says about grace And he calls it, I believe, a discrepancy that she's suddenly exhibiting empathy towards others, which is clearly not something that we've seen in Grace to this point. I mean, she's been downright rude to people. Is this the beginning of a new Grace? And that would be cool. Again, I, I like the kinder gentler grace i mean she's still bossy she's still got that grace in her but yeah the the whole idea that no damn it i i love you i mean she doesn't use the word love but we know whether it's love like a friend or whatever but uh yeah that would be pretty cool yeah i don't know i i i i get that uh you know, Grace, by and large, they, they use her, you know, for a lot, for like comic relief and everything. And I don't know, I, I just, I really don't have a problem with Grace as she is. Um, I know it, she does great on other people, but I don't know. I just think it's kind of funny. All right. Now, he brings up uh, Trevor already living three lives, which he finds strange for what such a young guy. But, but again, Fred, it's just the body that he's been placed in. And the first two, we're not sure when they occurred, but clearly prior to the 21st century, uh, you know, we do get a sense when we've talked about this, I think since the beginning, we do get a sense uh, later in the season of what, year they are all from so i'll i'll just say you know the other two lives appear to have been test lives at some point in the future so you know you you mentioned you thought they were there to fix events which of course they are but but he brings up the whole idea are they time guardians and i don't think so i mean not like say the uh uh gosh i can't think of what they're called right uh, yeah well, don't in, in continuum, yeah, but yeah, uh, those guys, the guys in the suits, right? Um, and, and also in um, the Spanish time travel series that I've mentioned. Now I can't remember the title of it, but uh, uh, the two old people look at that dome. Is that the first time we 
see the world where they came from. And we kind of addressed that earlier that, that we have had a few shots earlier, but this was the most extended look Mm -hmm. we've gotten at people in the future. And then of course the, the, the dome itself, how's it going to go with Catherine and Grant? He says, I think the only solution is telling the truth and hope she starts liking the new grant. And again, it's something we've discussed and, and it goes back to Jack Nicholson you can't handle the truth. Right. <laughs> and I believe firmly David could handle the truth. Catherine, I just don't know. Yeah. Well, n- no, no, de- definitely not. And if, if he did tell her the truth, it, it would definitely be the end of the relationship, which he might as well, because this relationship is so dense not even funny. Like there's, there's no way. And I think it's insane that it is. Cause I think she's come being, I mean, ironically, I mean, she's like, right, but it's insane. Like her, her way of thinking, she's going on this intuition that grant is not grant. And she's just running with it. And that's like, that's, that's crazy behavior. That's, that's not normal. That's DSM stuff. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, I'm really glad you brought that up because I, I guess I never really thought about it in those terms. And, and that makes perfect sense. It's you're not my husband, but there's got to be some neurological reason and we need to get you to a specialist. So, right. uh, and, and then the last thing Fred brings up is about Marcy and whether or not she's wearing more makeup and uh, we'll move in briefly to dave's superficial comments of the podcast um i i I can never determine whether i like marcy's clothes there's just i mean i i they don't quite do it for me the dress she wore to the uh the funeral was nice it it was i often think that her clothing is not mission appropriate very often (laughs) uh you know when they were shooting down the plane uh, she was okay yes she does have a lot of makeup on and i look at it in that it goes along with the relationship with david is that she wants to look good or or how she she wants to look the way she thinks he would like her to look and of course i think david wouldn't care if she had any makeup on at all no, yeah definitely but not. uh and, and certainly not that uh mackenzie porter needs any makeup which of course she doesn't but yeah, um i i think that's your answer fred i think yes she is wearing more makeup and i think it has to do with the the relationship that she's having with david yeah so and despite uh having three sisters and currently living in a house with three females as well as a female dog I can honestly say I have no idea about makeup. I never noticed things like that. So, all right. Uh, anything else before we trek over to the spoiler zone? Um, well, just the, the one thing I think uh, Fred had mentioned that about he doesn't think the bite was what caused um, Trevor to ex- experience the aphasia. And it wasn't, but because of the bite, they had to like do the thing they did to Marcy where they like kind of upload his consciousness, change it, and then re-download it into Trevor. And I think that that is what 
started the uh, that was like the it seemed like the the, the transfer the one transfer too many that right I, that's I, I what this exacerbated yeah, the, yeah exacerbated yeah. that's what i was looking for all right. Well, we are about to enter the spoiler zone. And as we say each week, if you have not completed the series, stop here and come back next week. I do have a couple of items this okay. week. And, and Good, I don't in, really in the beginning, uh, Jim asks David, you know, when he and Marcy are going to get married. And, and, you know, we talked a little bit about that, but it, it's sort of as a precursor to the last episode, the last scene when it's just a guy and a girl right. on a bus yep. that like the look of each other. And I used in my notes, the word normal, just two normal yep. people meeting on a bus. Yep. And That's I, <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know, so I, I, I think in terms of, you know, Jim asking David, I, I guess that's what it made me think about now. We kind of alluded and, and, you know, I think I had to, I won't say I had to stop you, uh, spoiler zone, but, you know, it's certainly not the last we've seen of Carly and her neighbor. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, like, obviously, there's, I know. If, if you're just, if you're watching this, like, you know, like, you know, there's no way Carly's going to let that go. You know, they're established. They didn't just have a, 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 abusive relationship across the hall from her just to show her new indifference. You know, you know that that's going to boil over eventually, especially right. with how emotional she is with, with grit, you know? Well, right. Well, we see her kick the shit out of that guy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, she's going to beat him silly, but I yeah. mean, we, you could, you gotta be able to see that like already. I apologize if I spoil it. It's not a big spoil anyway. It's not like a huge no, you didn't. Plot, but yeah, you know, I'm just saying that. Like, you should, you know, as as watching something critically, you should probably figure that something's going to happen there. Well, I think what we had in this episode was enough that we heard the neighbors arguing. She asks Philip, "Does he know anything?" He says, "No," and then we see his vision of her being let out by right. policemen. Yeah, there you so go. So we right. can, right? We can add two and two and figure. Okay, she must have done something related to that and and of course she does um and you know that that vision of the alternate timeline that he experiences um but really that's about it for me in terms of spoilery stuff that that i feel like leads to some things later on i mean i guess in a sense almost anything could uh qualify for the spoiler zone but uh, you know that that's all i've got yeah i, I think so. it's just really yeah the only thing i, I put anything down about is is about carly um you know we have philip uh trevor telling philip he shouldn't not take the pills which as we talked about last week uh turns out to be have mixed results like he's seeing all these timelines he, he came and walk across the room but on the other hand he sees the nuclear bomb go off in seattle which allows them to prevent that from happening i guess that's we call that a draw on that one i guess all right well uh, in terms of a grade probably should have done it before spoiler zone but oh well yeah <laughs> uh, uh i'm gonna go b plus yeah on this episode. it's we're just like 
I, I, we're just too linked up on the same wavelength here, man. Because right, cool. I was thinking A minus B plus. I, I where I, I mean, it was still like a, a good episode, you know. But it's just I f- I felt like this one was. It, it's like it seems like a transition episode, but it's kind of really not. Except for well, you know, I mean, they saved Trevor. It's like there's there's nothing really like you said like our lack of spoiler zone things. It's just I, I don't think there's it's I don't think this really moved the necessarily the ball forward that much as far as the the season arc. Though it was a nice episode and of course you know gave us a little bit of a scare with Trevor, but then we get him back. So well, and I think the the shame about it is, and maybe this is why we're both reticent to go into the A range. I mean, we've got all these these questions well how's mclaren going to talk his way out of his problems with with catherine well he's not going to have to because right. everything gets reset yeah so yeah. you know anyway well but when, it, when it's reset he's he's not gonna get together with her right he's just, he's gonna walk away right and let I mean, her st- stay with the guy who stood her up like he tells her you shouldn't be the guy who st- stood you up, and then he's going to leave her with the guy who stood her up. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I guess we'll leave it there, if that's okay with you. Yeah. I'm all right. That. All right. Cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Travelers. Uh, keep in mind, we'll be getting back to Haunting of Hill House. Uh, looks like probably. Um, second week of february i think i looked at it on my calendar today we'd encourage you to join the facebook group share your thoughts with the sci-fi tv rewatch community if you're already a member spread the word emails can go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website and we'll be back next week to take a look at season three episode eight of travelers titled archive but until then yeah so dave um yeah, I don't. I don't uh, yeah, again, I just feel like there's all these things about myself I, I never told you. But I actually got a a, a job uh, one time as like a, a grip on uh, the set of Super Eight. You know, and like I'm like, oh, Steven Spielberg, man. You know, like I'm like really kind of like psyched to you know, to like you know be working with him and everything. And uh, so you know, like basically, I had to like get like coffee and stuff all the time. And this is kind of mundane job. You know, like the one day, you know, I just didn't put enough cream in the Spielberg's coffee and he totally fired me. But I like, I got in like a great final shot. Like as I'm walking out the door, I was just like, the director's being a complete dipshit. <laughs>